here is the summary of the first page of the first mimer on Sefer Shmois, which begins with the opening Pusik that lists out all of the Bnei Yisrael and it contrasts it with this similar but mildly different list back in Parshas Vayigash. And he uses this as an opportunity to talk about um, what is the ultimate objective of an Ashama coming into this world. And it, the paradigm is the contrast and comparison to the uh, slavery in Egypt resulting in Matan Torah in the giving of the Torah, and the experience of Gullus to this point, which will result in the giving of Pneumius HaTorah. And we started to describe some of the details of how even in the Nigla, even in the Gemara, it uses the model of what the, our ancestors went through in Mitzrayim, in Egypt, as how we go through our struggle to understand Torah, to identify godliness, and when we do that, when we follow those procedures, which have a, a characteristic of overlapping, we are able to discover more than just the pragmatic instructional, we can actually discover the godliness. And we talked about um, why an Ashama comes into this world, seemingly it's better off to be up in heaven. And our explanation that it comes into this world to give it an opportunity to have a closeness with Hashem that it could never experience in heaven, even though it doesn't look that way immediately, it appears to be just a distancing from godliness. And yet that distancing empowers it to come even closer. And this is true as we see that Avram Avinu was given the choice between the people enduring Gehenna or enduring slavery, and he chose slavery, both of which achieve a similar objective in that they smelt away the impurities and the distractions that allow us or prevent us from being close with Hashem. Now, since the neshama, as lofty as it is, is still a created being, it needs to be spoken to in a language that which it can comprehend. And as such, Hashem goes through the great effort to encase himself within attainable God, uh, uh, formats of Torah that are portals of entry for a neshama and again, no matter what, the neshama is still a limited entity, to be able to have a, uh, an opportunity to be close with God. Just as Hashem overcomes his basic identification of self, uh, of unlimited, to become limited, we too have to overcome the basic identification of ourselves as limited beings to become unlimited, which is the quality called bittel. And we see this based on the, the description in Beratius that a river went out from Aden, from sort of the essence of Hashem, in an attempt to water the garden, to make him, uh, it, Hashem making himself accessible to us, as indicated that the word garden is the numerical value of 53, representing the 53 Torah portions, which are an opportunity for us, if we will have that chachma, that kayachma, that willingness to go way beyond ourselves, not just to compartmentalize more information, but to put aside anything we've ever uh, known before. As we say, we will have total bitta. And then we went on to describe, based on a Pasuk and Shira Shirim that uses a, an analogy of Torah to the queen, that just as in the, the development of a child, the queen has eaten food that has given her body the health to be receptive to the king's contribution, the combination of the two are able to thus produce a healthy child. Well, in a similar fashion, 
Hashem gives us Torah. We engage our intellect to decipher its inner meaning, its, uh, its great message. And through that, we have a full-on combination of Hashem's contribution and our analysis that results in a proper understanding of Torah. And the king-queen analogy of the coupling of a, um, the gift of Hashem and the analysis of the people it underscores the constancy of the uh, relationship between the two, which is the only method to allow uh, the full development of the child. In this sense, the neshama benefits from being here in this physical world and having a closeness with Hashem that it would otherwise never attain were it to remain only up in Shemaim. This is the short summary of the second page of the Maimar on Shmois. Reminder that the Alter Rebbe is working off the Pusik and Shirashirim that says there were 60 queens and 80 um, pilagshim, concubines, and an infinite number, an innumerable amount of young maidens. And as it's explained, that this is a reference to the, the queens are the Mishnas, the pilagshim, the concubines are the Brises, and the infinite number of young girls are the Halachas. And we explained that the level of bittel that Moshe Rabbeinu embodies when he receives the Torah from Sinai is embedded within the Mishnah, and therefore the Mishnah is not filled with the debate and analysis and questions and answers. It's more just the straight-up godliness that is brought to it, and it's comparable to the relationship that is absolute and certain and constant between the queen and the king. Then you have the level called the Bryces, which are less clear. They're brisa again, meaning outside. It was taught outside the yeshiva. And this is comparable to the relationship between the king and the pilegesh, which is more secretive and sporadic. That is, it's unclear what their relationship is. And that's why its godliness is less evident, like the relationship between the king and the concubine is less evident and less clear. And the idea being that the king represents this masculine quality that is infinite, that needs to be developed, like in the development of a child, it's contributed to the mother, and then it is fleshed out into a full entity. So this quality, which is chachma, which is, again, not about smarts or IQ or information accumulation, it is rather about a basic receptivity to the infinite idea, is manifest in the female. So in the Mishnah, it's the queen, which is a very close and constant and obvious relationship, which is the obvious and evident godliness and clarity in the Mishnah. In the Pelegish, it's less so. And then you get to the young maidens who haven't yet had this impact of the male contribution from the king, but they are ready for it. And these are the halachas where we have to do the Liban Hilchasa. We have to whiten them out. We have to pick through all the confusion and uh, uncertainty, and discover the halacha. And this is ultimately, as it's illustrated by the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, where he wears the white garment, this is the mission of the Jewish people. So now we can understand what the Zayar tells us, that the purpose of Torah and mitzvahs is to order and correct the names of Hashem. We know there's the different names of Hashem, the halacha represents, if you can't erase them, and so forth. What is the purpose of the names of Hashem? Since Hashem is infinite, and yet it's his desire to create a finite world. 
So Hashem compresses himself into the finite names, each name representing the, mac the manner in which Hashem is expressing himself at that moment. So Kale is God expressing himself as Chesed and Elohim as Gevura. So Hashem wishes to create a world predicated on Chesed. So he creates the world through Kale. God wishes to express himself through Gevura, orderliness. So he expresses himself through Elohim. And we, in turn, take the Torah and mitzvahs, and we can become connected with Hashem through our acts of chesed and our acts of gevura that are aligned with godliness. Ultimately, though, beyond just the specifics of how we match up our chesed with God's chesed, now guru with God's gevura, there is this ultimate objective to reach the Shmei HaGadol, the infinite name of Hashem, not the way that Hashem manifests himself through these little touch points, but rather through that infinite level. And this is what Hashem is referring to when he tells Moshe Rabbeinu that uh, he appeared to Avram, but his name Havai did not make known to Avram because Avram did not have Matan Teri, did not have this access point. And this is what is given through Matan Teri to Moshe Rabbeinu, and again, by extension to us. So now at the end of this page, Yalta Rebbe goes back to the beginning of the Maimur where he asked the question, why does Torah have to say these are the names of Yaakov and his children who came down to Mitzrayim and then enumerate them already in Parshish Vayigash, when in fact they came to Mitzrayim? Hashem already told us their names. So now we understand that Yaakov represents the infinity of Hashem. And his wives, Rachel, and all of his children represent Kal Yisrael, like the Jewish people are called Rachel. And each of the children... The 12 of them represent one of the ways that Hashem's four-lettered name of Yudke Vavke can be reorganized in one of the 12 different permutations. And this is what comes into Mithraim, that from the place of holiness, because we have the prep of the Ela, that we have this level of infinite godliness that is manifest through Yaakov, who represents Havayah and his wives and children who represent the various ways in which godliness is manifest in this physical world, come down into Mitzrayim, into the most antagonistic circumstance, in order to bring that level of godliness. And although it's not evident down here, it does ultimately become that way when, when Mashiach will come and the godliness that is buried within Mitzrayim will be revealed. And this is alluded to again in the four-letter name of Hashem, the Yud representing this infinite quality, like the infinite characteristic of the letter Yud that can be stretched and shaped into any letter. The He, which represents the soft-spoken word through our enunciation of the words of Torah and Tefillah. The Vav, which six, which represents the six orders of the Mishnah, and again, followed by another He, that when we effectuate the, the study of Torah and, and the performance of mitzvahs, that is, we bring the names of God through our individual characteristics into the place of Mitzrayim, we fulfill the purpose for why the Jewish people went to Mitzrayim, which is to ultimately have that godliness brought into the world, even if it's not evident, but there is a, an upside, a godly side to Mitzrayim, as it's compared to the restricture and the stricture of the throat that takes the infinity of the intellect and transports it to the character in the heart and ultimately into the expression.